This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. Hi there, and welcome everyone. This is Bronson Hill, and I'm here with inflation versus deflation. What is next? Super excited for this event. Really excited. I got three amazing individuals here that are really experts in their field. Just so pleased that they decided to join. We're really excited, gonna have a great time. If you are joining live, please uh, put your information there in the chat so we can see that you're there. Um, and I think we're just, okay, we're just getting going here. So just put your information in the chat where you're coming from. We'd love to hear from you and just keep that chat box open there. Uh, wanted to let just a quick notice, if you have not joined our investment club, we're doing some awesome multifamily deals. Um, you can check out bronsonequity.com. Check that out. Just want to give a side note for that. But the ways, so I'm going to give a quick introduction to our guests, and then I would just want to jump right into it. We're going to have a great conversation here, and then we're going to do some Q&A, and I think it's going to be awesome. So I'm super jazzed about it, super excited that you decided to join us, whether it's live or on a replay. So first of all, we have uh, returning Jason Hartman, the Empowered Investor. Welcome, Jason. Glad to have you with us. Uh, I know he's up in Tahoe, so he made some time from his vacation to join us. Appreciate that. Uh, we have the amazing Harry Dent with uh, Dent Research. Welcome, Harry, all the way from Puerto Rico. And we have uh, Lynette Zhang from ITM Trading. Really glad that you, did, you all joined us today. So welcome, welcome. Uh, let's just jump right into it. And we'll start with Harry on this one. Um, you know, with the yield curve uh, inverting in you know, the last month or two, is recession inevitable? I know you've talked recently about the bounce crash or that we could bounce up and then all of a sudden there's a crash. Can you talk about what you see this looking like as far as asset prices are investing in the foreseeable future? Okay, really quick, quick summary. We basically hit the peak of the baby boom, entire largest spending cycle in history in 2000 to nine, you know, 9% or whatever. And now they have to tighten. I'm telling you, this tightening will not last long. The fundamental economy is the weakest it's been since the early 80s and the demographic cycles. And they've been pumping this thing up. And, and, and again, if they hadn't overreacted with COVID, they wouldn't have to tighten here. They, I think it's going to burst this thing. By the end of this year, we're going to be in a deep downturn. That's going to take a couple years to wind out. The stock market's already peaked on January 4th for the S&P, November 22nd for the NASDAQ, November 8th for the small caps. Uh, we're, we're just seeing the first crash, which usually is 30 to 40. You don't know that a bubble's over until you get the first crash that hits hard 30, 40%. We finally saw that. Like, like, So if you think and your stockbroker is telling you, well, just sit through this and the market will always go to new highs, you will be bitterly disappointed. This is not the time. That is the best thing for investors to do most of the time, reallocate. This is not one of those times. Since they did not let the 2008 and nine downturn play out more fully and deleverage the greatest debt bubble in history, we're going to have to do it this time. Last time you go back 90 years on this big bubble cycle, the early 30s was the big crash and then a lesser crash down in the late 30s and early 40s. We bottom out. So we had the smaller recession this time. We're going to have the big one on this end. 
I think it's somewhere in 2024, but we'll come out of this. And I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks between now and then. It's time to take advantage of this bounce, get out of stocks, get out of all risk assets, commodities, and gold too. Gold is not the sport. That's the safe haven. That's where the money runs when, when commodities, stocks, and even gold all go down. And any bonds with risk, corporate bonds go down a little, junk bonds a lot. This will be an everything crash like 2008, only much more. You simply got to get out of the way. Treasury bonds, I'm calculating. These are 30 year treasury bond or, or a 1030 mix, like in TLT, the easiest ETF to play, will go up 40, 50% while everything else crashes the most in your lifetime. So I've been calling this the crash of a lifetime. I think it already started January 4th in the S&P. So this bounce is the last chance you get here. And it's probably not going to last past August, if that long. Right. Thanks, Harry. I know you've been called the contrarian's contrarian. So I know you you definitely pick up on things that a lot of people don't see. And a lot of times, you know, it's it's hard to see something before it starts happening or as it's happening, people don't realize what's happening. Uh, Lynette, why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, what you're seeing, inflation, deflation? The only way to fight inflation is with deflation. And the only way to fight deflation is with inflation. So, you know, I think that I don't think raising the interest rates is going to tamp down this inflation. So I think that that uh, you know the central banks have they they've created this monster, but I don't think they really know how to deal with it. And um, you know I agree with much of what Harry says, but I definitely disagree with on physical gold and silver because back in 2008. Yes, you saw the spot market dump, but you saw the physical market go up at the same time and the premiums explode because the paper market, they can create as much gold and silver as you want, but there's a piece that people forget because we've been trained away from it. But gold and silver are used in every single aspect of the global market. Just put gold, physical gold and silver to a degree on sale. Because again, they could do anything with the spot market, but you're going to see the premiums explode. So when I'm looking at where I'm putting my money, number one, there's no doubt in my mind, but that this is a currency life cycle issue and the currency, you know, 2008, the system died. It went on life support with all this free money printing and that is coming to an end. There is virtually officially no purchasing power left in the currency. And, and unless they come up with new tools, the central banks are out of tools. And recently they gave up their credibility by absolutely destroying the forward guidance and now coming out and saying, we're not gonna give you forward guidance. But the purchasing power is going away. And the only thing that's holding it together is confidence. And when confidence get tested, you want something real that is completely outside of the system that has the broadest base of utility and the broadest base of buyer. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm also a big metals person. I think uh, a lot of other assets rose during COVID and, and metals really didn't. And I think with the dollar being stronger and of course, there's a lot you know there to a lot of upside potentially. Jason Hartman, why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, how individuals can prepare themselves for inflation or deflation or what that looks like? 
Yeah, so first of all, I just want to say I uh, apologize for my appearance. We just finished a massive run on Lake Tahoe on crystal clear blue water of uh, jet skiing, and <laughs> I'm tired, <laughs> let me tell you, but it was a, a great time. And um, it's good to see uh, you, Lynette, and Harry again, and Bronson, of course. Um, um, uh, you know, they, they've, uh, Lynette uh, alluded to, unless they create other tools, right, which was an interesting statement. And, you know, the basic blunt tools they have now are they control, you know, the money supply, the, the interest rate, the cost of money. And um, uh, those are very blunt tools. They're not, uh, they're, they're not very uh, concise, if you will. And so uh, we are now in a situation where uh, they have hidden inflation, a lot of it that has been in the system for decades by uh, not controlling the southern border and importing cheap labor from Mexico. And they're definitely not controlling it now. And that is an, a way to hide inflation by importing cheap labor. And of course, importing cheap goods from China and, and other places, but mostly China, of course, the workshop of the world. And now we see uh, some strange situations in a lot of these things, people coming in inflation. And, um, you know, I just think that in, in a world like this, uh, as we've seen throughout history, whether we study Hungary, Zimbabwe, Argentina, Weimar, Germany, whatever inflationary story you want to pick, people always did one thing. And I, I just finished a, an Alaskan cruise. And one of the crew members who I was talking to there on her badge, it said she was from Zimbabwe. And I asked her about what Zimbabwe was like during those inflationary periods. And she said, basically, the whole economy just came to a stop. It just came to a halt. You couldn't do anything very well or very effectively. And what people need to do is trade their devaluing currency, those paper, pieces of paper with dead presidents on, for things. Because things have intrinsic value and currency units do not have intrinsic value. Now, we all might disagree on the thing you should trade it for, but you should trade it for something. Thing. And people want to be trading their currency for things that have intrinsic value, that are traded globally, that are not attached to any particular currency unit. And things have intrinsic value. Currency units uh, have fluctuating value. And so that's what I'd say about that. Now, unlike Lynette, I am not a gold bug. I think gold's okay. I certainly own a, a decent amount of it. Uh, I own all the, all the precious metals. But, um, you know, uh, those uh, ha have historically been a, a great store of value. I lean toward things like housing, uh, and because housing is just made of commodities, it's made of lumber, it's made of concrete, it's made of copper wire in the walls and, uh, you know, petroleum products and all of these things that are traded globally, not attached to any one currency, have intrinsic value, and every person on earth needs them. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's what I'd say. Trade your devaluing currency units for things that have intrinsic value. Let's, uh, let's come back to uh, Harry. Um, you know, I know you have written a lot of books about the coming crash. You've done a lot of work in this. You have a lot of charts. I've seen it. it's very impressive, all the work that you've done in this area. 
Um, I know a lot of people are kind of like, okay, maybe we'll have a little crash. And especially with all the inflation that's in the system, all the new money printing, how can you like, what is, like, if you were to talk to somebody that just was totally inflationary, thinking, oh, things are just going to keep going up for, you know, indefinitely because of the, all this new currency. What would you say to that person as far as I, this, this is why I'm so sure things are going to crash? Well, again, we've been dealing with disinflation now for, for most of my adult lifetime 1980 was the peak 15 16 percent inflation down 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 why a generation grows up they become more productive okay. we've been we go into deflation almost naturally we've just inflated massively to fight the covid shock which was stupid it was short term in the first place it was the wrong place for the government to panic and overprint so again they've been printing now ever since 2008-9, okay? And we've had inflation go down anyway because that's the fundamental trend. They printed, I count 10.1 trillion, half in fiscal, half in monetary, in two years. That's why we suddenly have 9% inflation. And they that means they have to tighten. And I'm telling you right now, this tightening will not last very long. They will not keep tightening because the economy is gonna retreat rapidly because it's so weak. They are under the impression now because they've been pumping so long. Oh, the economy's got strength. The economy has no strength, none on its own. This has all been money printing. And now they went too far. And as you have to catch these money printers off guard, they'll just keep printing. Like they, they print exponentially more. They've lost all rationality. They'll do anything to prevent a recession. Recessions are good for the economy. Yeah, only an academic economist that never had sex or run a business would not understand <laughs> the recessions basically make you more efficient, clean out the dead wood, clean out unproductive debt. You know how many unproductive debts we have now in the economy? Yeah. It's, it's out of control. We need to yeah. get flush this stuff out. It's going to make us healthier. We'll never, Japan has never recovered from their early 90s and, and late 90s bust because they've been printing money and never allowed the debt. They kept the debt in place instead of flushing out the bad debts, which allows you to grow. So, And they have poor demographics forever. And, and we have a millennial generation that will pull us out of this precisely 2000, late 2024 into 2037. I said from the beginning, and it's a light, it's an offer now. You don't do it now, you lose it. We're going to help you. Because getting rid of debt is the best thing we can do. That's what recessions do and depressions more so. And depressions only follow major financial asset bubbles. When did we see that in history before this? The roaring 20s. That was a, the biggest financial asset bubble of its time back then. This is more global. This is everything. Real estate was not as bubbly. It was mostly stocks and equities. This is a bubble in everything. And gold. Guess what has bubbled more than stocks at the peak? Gold. I'm telling you, gold is going down. And then I would buy it. Because I think Asia, Asia loves gold. Gold's going to go up for the first time in history, long term after this, because it's going to be a very in-demand commodity for countries in Asia who love gold gold right now gold will be better than stocks you can have some of the diversification i'm telling you mark my word gold will go down in the next few years not not 80 percent like stocks but 40 percent and lynette i'd love to know from you kind of what you see 
the Fed doing going forward as far as their options or like even you mentioned new tools? Are there any new tools that we have? I mean, obviously, we don't I don't know of any. Maybe you have thought of some. But uh, what what are they are you think they're going to continue? Are they going to continue to raise rates and the economy suffers to fight inflation or will they capitulate and just lower and print money and do more of the stuff they've been doing? I think they're going to do a combination of the two because what they're battling for is their credibility. And so in order to, or at least attempt to maintain some level of credibility, they're going to have to keep raising rates, but it depends on how much pain in the market uh, that they're going to be willing to take before they do a pivot. And I think the next round of money printing will make what looked like what they did in 2020 look like chump change just like what they did in 2020 made what they did in 2008 chump change. And I think that's, you know, I mean, over the years, first in 2000, so that level of credibility was gone. And recently again, uh, you know, the central bank and the tool that they had since the financial crisis in 2008 was that forward guidance. and you know, they gave that up. So there's only one more level of credibility and that's to the public. And once the public loses confidence, that's when we'll see that we'll enter into a hyperinflationary stage. And I, and I do see that in the reasonably near term. I can't tell you exactly when, but it, it's hanging on by a thread. Lena, do you see any other options of besides hyperinflating anything else? I guess it's just pain and, and raising rates and doing the right thing, but the, the political will to do that. Do you see any foreseeable other option that that could happen? Well, for one thing, I'm not really convinced that raising rates is the right thing, because when you look at a number of countries already saying, I mean, just like Christine Lagarde said, OK, we're front loading this. So they got back to a zero interest rate. And the Fed is like, we're front loading this. And now we're at neutral. <laughs> Interestingly enough, in May, they didn't know where neutral was. And magically in July, they know exactly where neutral is. It's two and a quarter to two and a half percent. And with inflation officially running at 9.1 percent. Yeah, that's not neutral. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's they're really painted in a corner. And I think you touched on this as well, Jason. Uh, let's let's shift a little bit. We're going to do some questions in a little bit. And uh, again, I know there at least on the live, if you're watching this recording, you probably experienced this. There is a little bit of freezing on here. So next month, I promise we will have a different platform and we're going to get this taken care of. So I apologize. Um, but uh, Jason, can you share a little bit about what you see? And we'll go around the panel. Uh, what what are the best kind of moves that you see, right? I mean, you've talked about buying real things, you buy a number of things. Nationwide should be about 1 million to one and a half million homes or six months of inventory, meaning at the current rate of absorption, it would take six months to absorb all that inventory, okay? And we currently have just under four months of inventory and we have 525,000 homes for sale. So inventory is still very low. Now, uh, the markets that are these high-flying cyclical markets, the west coast of the United States, all the way from San Diego up to Seattle, and the expensive northeastern markets, and South Florida, where I live, those markets are going to suffer uh, 
if they keep raising rates and they're probably already in a position where we're going to see real price declines in some of those markets. I also want to throw Phoenix in there uh, because Phoenix has just been a, a crazy, crazy, you know, boom and bust town. Uh, and, and, but, you know, when you look at most of the countries, and so when the cost of money goes up, uh, you know, it does put downward pressure on prices. But until we get to a double, at least double the inventory we have now, that would only put us in a normal market. It wouldn't put us in a buyer's market or a down market or a recessionary real estate market. Uh, so we've got quite a ways to go before this crash everybody's looking for. And I don't really think it's going to happen now. You never know what the future will hold. Are we, you know, is Nancy Pelosi going to cause a war with China? Um, you know, is Putin going to use a nuclear weapon? Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now that are very disconcerting. So, um, you know, we, we don't know. And how much higher, I mean, does Jerome Powell think he's the new Paul Volcker? And is he going to just raise rates to the sky to stop the inflation mess that he and, you know, the politicians created? Um, maybe Austin, that's kind of a high-flying market like Phoenix, um, you know, and, and many other markets in Tennessee, for example, around the country that we like. Um, I think things are going to be fine. But here's the real question. It's not how well or how poorly will real estate do. The real question comes in the form of an acronym, and it's a woman's name. It's TINA, T-I-N-A. And this is something everybody needs to think about. T-I-N-A stands for there is no alternative. Because one thing we know for sure is that if we put our money in the bank, we are going to lose. That is a sure loser, bar none, no questions about it. I doubt anybody will disagree with that, <laughs> okay? Um, right now, you're going to lose 9.1% per year officially. So if you got a million dollars to play with, you're losing $91,000 a year on your bank balance. Um, if you put it in real estate and you only make 10% all in, now I don't mean an appreciation, real estate's a multi-dimensional asset class because you get cash flow, you get tax benefits, you get inflation-induced debt destruction, you get all of these multi-dimensional things, mortgage pay down, even if the property's not appreciating in value or even if it's only appreciating in a small way as long as you use property. <clears throat> Harry, I know no, you're chomping at the bit to say, yeah, something. Harry wanted to say something. Yeah. I, I am. My biggest warning to most people, because that's where they get hurt the most, real estate. Okay. Real estate was not the big bubble in the roaring 20s. Five-year uh, mortgages, 50% down. Try speculating on that. Okay. This has been the time in history where real estate has bubbled more than ever and globally everywhere. Um, um, biggest bubble. The last crash was 34%. Real estate uh, um, takes longer to go down and much longer to come back. Stocks crash more, but they come back very fast. Real estate took five, five and a half years to bottom. This is going to affect. Now, here's my simple indicator. I don't care where you live, and it's going to be hugely different. Is Jason Salton. If you're in Pawtucket Junction, you're not going to get hit that hard, but you will still get hit. What was your house worth? 
or your office or whatever you're looking at at the bottom of the last crash around late 2011, early 2012. That is all I see us doing, but we had such a big bubble since then. That is 50% in the broad market. People don't realize that. We just go back one decade and it's a 50% loss for the broad market and people have mortgages against that and, and that's where things get tricky. And I'll tell you another thing. Here's the, here's the question I always get. People say, well, Harry, if you're right, Oh, I got two pieces of real estate. I I'm going to sell the one with the big mortgage, right? No. Sell the one with all the equity, with the most equity. You're pulling that money out and be able to reinvest in real estate at the lowest price of your lifetime. You sell the one with 80, 90% mortgage. Guess who's going to take the hit on that in the end? The banks. The banks I are going to have, the government's going to have to force the banks to write this stuff down this time. So, and we'll see. In, in my entire lifetime, or even made my kids, we will not see a crash like this, especially in real estate. Real estate is the big bugaboo, more than stocks. So yeah. Harry, would you the say- is, the, the problem is you can't generalize real estate as a single category because it depends where, and you did- I, I didn't, I, Jason, I just said, what was it worth in 2011? That's gonna be some places it could be down 20%, 50%, 70%. I didn't generalize. No, at all. I, I know you did acknowledge that. The other thing I'd say is I totally agree with you about using the debt and keeping those high mortgage balances because the nuclear option is the one that almost 12 million people took during the Great Recession is they got workouts, they got short sales, or yeah. they just strategically let their property go and let the bank take the hit. And you know, or you can just stay in it and not pay your mortgage and say, sue me. Nobody's got three years on it when they can't yeah. do anything yeah. with the house. I, I mean, people house. got a free house for three years. Yeah, three house, three <laughs> years. It was unbelievable. That's not the way to think of real estate. Real estate is a yield oriented asset class. And you should think of the yield it produces, not the speculative. The most speculative part of real estate is appreciation or depreciation. That is the most speculative part. Cash flow is actually quite reliable. It's not perfect, but it's quite reliable. Look at that dividend that the real estate produces. The well, and that's why multifamily is the one area that if I'm going to hold any real estate, no question, multifamily is something where you will get that yield. People, who, more people will not be able to buy and be forced to rent, even who yeah. wouldn't choose to. So that is the one area that to me is something... I would feel uh, any problem holding. I, I just think housing, housing, housing. That's the type of real estate, not office space, not retail. I don't know enough about industrial to comment, but housing is for sure. Everybody needs a place to live. And for sure, there is a housing shortage. People, they have to make choices. And we're watching them make those choices right now with the inflation. Right now, it's about food or gasoline in your tank. But at some point, it becomes about rent or it becomes about food. So that's where the gold really comes in, because I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that to have a properly diversified portfolio, then you need to have some tangible assets, gold outside of there, so that if you have to carry that property for a while, you have the ability to do it because of the broadest base of buyer. That's why gold has never gone to zero. And the spot market is the paper market. The physical market is a true, a true supply and demand market. So, and I also think that we're likely to see something in Japan in the early 90s. Residential real estate dropped 85%. Commercial real estate dropped 95%.
And then what you're really looking at is accumulation patterns so that you can see when the smart money is going in. And that's when you can convert some of your hard assets, your gold into that real estate where you are you're able to pay off the mortgage if that's what you choose to do because of what happens when there is a true flight to safety. Because the piece that I see, and, 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 and I get it. I mean, I was fortunate in being at the right place at the right time to learn about currencies and currency life cycles, but people get fooled by numbers. It's that nominal confusion. So they don't understand, they don't understand inflation, like what they'll call inflation appreciation, just like part of the government numbers is inflation goes into the GDP and makes it look better. Because if you got to pay, pay 20 bucks for a banana, well, that goes into the GDP numbers. So, you know, I would say in regard to real estate, you know, you have to look at its function as well. And for me, I have a mantra that I've been following and building toward, and that's food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. Down 86, real estate instead of 34%. 50%. It's the simplest way I can say it. If you thought that was bad, think 50% worse and then decide whether you want to sell that damn house or not. The other thing that I'd like to point out, because we're talking about what happened in the roaring 20s when this whole big monetary experiment was kicking off and they flooded the system with a lot of liquidity till they decided to take it away. And then again, back in the 70s and the 80s, what was happening during these periods of time is we were transitioning from one monetary system into another monetary system. And nobody ever talks about that. And that's exactly what we're doing again, because if there's no purchasing power left in this piece of garbage, right, then, then we need another tool. So everybody talks about it like it'll go down, it'll go up. No, there's no purchasing power left. And it only has any value at all because people, and they knew that when they created the system, they married the legal money. Yeah, yeah. by the way, what, go ahead, Lynette. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, absolutely. When you're traveling, it's fiat to fiat. That's awesome. Yeah. And yes, you can buy a whole lot more, except that their, their currency, the euro, is also losing value. They're also dealing with inflation. So... So what, the dollar is the strongest horse in the glue factory? They're Best house in a bad neighborhood. Exactly. I want to say something real quick. I want to say something real quick, Jason. There was a uh, comparison made by uh, Mike Maloney talking about if you were to switch from different asset classes, and this is what I know we've got. Jason's big into real estate. Lynette's into metals. I'm into both. Harry, you kind of like looking at the overall picture of all of them. But he basically compared if you pick the best times to invest. And of course, we don't know exactly what those are. Looking back, we can tell. But you know, you invested in gold or you invested in kind of just average single family houses or you invested in the stock market. GDP is 90-ish, okay? Global financial assets are, are the greatest compared to GDP and the most overvalued in history, 600% GDP roughly globally. That's what has to come. All financial assets except the highest quality government and AAA corporate bonds, everything deflates. And so there is nowhere to hide. I don't have a diversified portfolio because there's nowhere to go except the treasury bonds. And then I'll buy gold. Then I'll buy gold. Then I'll buy financial assets. Gold, 
went down in 2008 and it did. So don't say it won't. It waited at first. It looked like a safe haven. When the crap hits the fan, gold was down, just not as much as stocks. So I think gold, and I'm forecasting gold will go to 950 to 1050. That's going to be a lot worse than a lot better than other broker in 1986. I worked with treasuries because I figured, hey, the government could, before I understood the markets and all of that, the government could tax you to get the money to pay you. Well, they can print it, right, to repay you. So you may get these dollars back, but what are you going to be able to buy with them? And as far as gold is concerned, okay, unfortunately, I did not have the print. I did not know about the print screen button at the time. But I was in the Bank for International Settlements, and I saw with my own eyes that did the calculations for every one ounce of gold that exists, real gold, there were 62,000 derivative ounces of gold. That's gold that never will exist. And a rising gold price, because this is real money, a rising gold price is an indication of a failing currency. You will see on the gold contract, on the precious metals contract, is it's here like this at many for many years, and then now it's like spiking up. Is that because there are necessarily more gold derivative contracts? No, it's because they changed the way that those contracts should be accounted for which means, is that even true? Who the hey knows? So yeah, they can suppress the visible price of gold, but are miners going to mine when it costs more to mine it than what they can sell it for? The answer is no. And those costs are going up as well. So I'm, I'm physical. I'm not really diversified. I have property and I have my mountain bug out property. So there's always a function, and I didn't care how much it cost at that point because of the function for me and my family. But, yeah, I'm not diversified either, Harry. I agree with you. That I don't care what you say. That's the only damn thing that went up when the thing got bad, including gold went down running for mommy right there in the second half of 2000. It's just for the next couple of years, max, and then you get out of it back into gold and commodities and, and stocks and real equity assets. You're, you're making the assumption that it's always going to be available, but anything physical, there's a finite amount, whether it's real estate, whether it's But who gold. wants it in a downturn? People buy less of everything in a downturn. I'm only against gold and the crash. After the crash, I'd be happy by gold. I think it'll be the best commodity long term because Asians love gold more than anybody. So I want to say... Uh I want to say one thing real quick. So the reason we bring, and I love that we have some different opinions and it's yeah, awesome, right? right? We all have, we approach things from a different way and that's how we get better. So we're not, you know, on the panel, we're going to have different things. We're going to walk away. We're still going to have the things we love, but I, I love coming together because it gives people. Uh, when Lynette and Harry were talking about the dollar and the strength and yes, look, the dollar, um, you know, people love to say, the crypto people love to say, and the gold people love to say, the dollar's not backed by anything. That's simply not true. The dollar is backed by aircraft carriers, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and the largest brand the world has ever known, and the brand is called America, okay? But it's still a fiat currency, and all fiat currencies are a race to the bottom, all of them, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, if I'm going to choose one of them, I would choose the U.S. dollar because uh, Nixon was able to get away with 
fooling the entire world in August of 1971. Like, it's amazing that we've been able to pull off that epic scam for all these decades. It's absolutely an amazing accomplishment. Um, I, I don't think it's good or fair or right, but it's amazing nonetheless. And um, uh, also to Lynette's point about miners not mining are inflating. Now, granted, I know there have been ups and downs, especially in lumber prices, but the overall trend is with globalization and with just the cost of all of these materials and all these inputs and the geopolitical problems around the world um, is that things are getting more expensive and the standard of living is going to decline. That is what is happening in America. We have been enjoying a fake prosperity in this country for decades that is, it's smoke and mirrors. It has never been real. And at some point, you know, the chickens come home to roost, or is that the right saying? And anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what's happening. And so the standard of living is simply going to decline. Okay. And that's the fact. Now, people say these sort of glib things. They say like, well, Jason, you know, if all this is happening, how are people going to be able to afford to buy real estate and keep the prices going up? Or how people, if I'm an investor, how are they going to be able to afford to rent my house? Well, don't be confused that it's the same. When you compare, I've been to 87 countries and I was born in Europe. And when you go around the world, you really realize that American real estate is cheap. I mean, now I'm not saying necessarily in high-flying Manhattan or L.A. or, you know, some of these real expensive markets, but American real estate is just not that expensive. And the standard of living in America is so dramatically higher. You know, like idiots like Biden and Obama want to say, oh, we should be more like Europe. You know, really? Are you joking? I mean, Europeans live in crappy little flats. They drive crappy little cars. They have crappy little like you know, economic lives. Now, I'm not saying maybe they have their priorities straight and we don't. I'm just talking economically, okay? You know, maybe it's better to be lazy and take a siesta every day and live la dolce vita in Italy. You know, fine. That's an argument, sure. But just economically, okay, as an economist, right, uh, Americans have a, a dramatically better life. I didn't see any questions in the chat. If you are in wanting to ask a question, please let me know. I uh, just want to give a quick plug for the event next month. We have this event with uh, Ken McElroy, Michael Blanc, and uh, another, I can't, Buck Joffrey. We have just a few amazing syndicators doing some big deals. I'll put this in the chat uh, as far as when that's going to happen, but that is September 7th at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific. So I will drop this in the chat. Also, if you haven't um, joined our investment club, we are doing uh, a lot of multifamily deals. We have some great stuff happening. So just a shameless plug for that. If you're not on our list, you're not hearing about it. Uh, let me go and basically come back to this. And then we're going to basically just hear from each person. How can uh, people get in touch with it? If they're new to you and hearing and they want to they learn more, uh, how do they learn more about you? Let's start with Lynette. Well, um, I have a very active YouTube channel, uh, so you can go into YouTube, you can put ITM trading or you can put Lynette Zhang. And then we recently opened a new channel, Beyond Gold and Silver, which talks about food, water, energy, security, community, barterability, and shelter. So, we, you know, we help people maintain a reasonable standard of living as much as possible. They can also call at 888-696-4653 because we love human contact. Awesome, Harry. Thanks so much for coming. Really appreciate having you. 
today. Um, Jason, how can people get in touch? Well, we love human contact too. So you can actually call us. We actually pick up the phone uh, and it's 1-800-HARTMAN in the United States, just 1-800-HARTMAN and then jasonhartman.com. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, a big podcast called The Creating Wealth Show, and I'm on all the social media places. So just uh, look for Jason Hartman. Awesome. Well, appreciate each of our panelists for coming today. This was a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully it didn't get too heated, but I thought it was great. I thought we really had some good uh, good input with each other. I know we have a lot of respect for each other. Um, want to just say to you uh, watching this, either on a replay or live, thank you for taking the time to invest in your own education. For those live, I'm going to get a different webinar set up because we had a little issues with freezing again. So I, I think I'm just going to change to something else. So I do apologize for that. Stick with me. It's going to be good. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us and be sure to tune next time for more Mailbox Money.